Amen. If you would, take out your listening sheet with me. It should be in your bulletin. looks like this. And our text for today is at the, the top of the sheet. We're going we're gonna to read that together. All right, let's stand and let's read the text together. This then is the text for today. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have especially for you. But if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree, in order not to say too much, to all of you. Sufficient for such a one is this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, so that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him, otherwise such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. May God bless the reading of his word. Sometimes one person does a two-person job. I bet some of us feel like we are one person doing the job of two or one person doing the job of many. But there are moments in our lives when you should ask for help. There are times in our lives that really do require two people. Now, I have some images I want to show you here this morning of one person doing a two-person job. First you see here is a logger with a, a two-man cross-cut saw. Now you see him trying to tackle that log on his own, but surely we know that work is a lot easier if you have another. Let me show you a, another slide. This is a man, it's hard to tell on the screen with the shadow, but this is a man carrying a large piece of plywood with his head. There's a strap that goes over the top of his head that goes back around the plywood, and he's doing his best to carry that down the road. Now, the same is true. The work is a whole lot easier if you have another. And one more, let me show you here. This is what some of us look like when we come home from the grocery store. Now, isn't it true that the work is easier when we have another? Now, for most of us, it's a point of pride to do it on my own. In fact, that's what I imagine all of these men are exuding in all three of these pictures, this on my own. I, I can do this on my own. In fact, there's this specific kind of on my own kind of work that we pridefully pridefully accomplish. All of us in here have these kinds of things that I can do on my own, and often it's for the sake of my pride. And there's a dilemma there. Now, I don't mean it's wrong for you to carry 38 grocery bags into your kitchen, as we sometimes try to do, but when this on my own sentiment permeates our entire lives, it's a real problem. Now, it, it's a problem because you were created not to work on your own. In fact, you were, you were created to work with someone. You were created to work together. You, you weren't created to tackle this brutal world by yourself. Now, as, as we hear this, that we, we were not created to work on our own, that, that maybe we think of marriage, and maybe there's an appropriate time to talk about marriage here. 
Or maybe there's an appropriate time to talk about the work of the church here, because certainly that, that is what the, the church does. But those two things are not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm not, not even talking about our relationships within the, the church at this point. But, but still, you are not created to work alone. In fact, you were created to work through this life with your God above. Our, our heavenly Father has reached down from the heavens to give us his hand and to aid us in this life. In fact, the God of all cre creation, the God who sculpted our mountain ranges, is there on our behalf to work with us and to work for us. You see, when, when life is heavy for us, the Spirit of God can lift Mount Everest off its base. And when life has beaten us down, the Spirit of God raises us up. That's the character of God, to raise up His people. That's what He did for His Son who was crucified and buried and then raised up to new life. That's what God does to His children and to His church, to raise us up to new life when we are beaten down even unto the grave. You see, God made you a promise a long time ago. Before you were ever imagined on this earth, God promised you a helper. God promised you a comforter so that you would never have to walk through this life alone. And you would never have to work through this life alone. The Spirit of God is for you. Now, I want you to see a couple more uh, scriptures here that are in front of us. This is a part of our text for this week, our reverse, uh, 2 Corinthians 2 and we worked, or 1, and we worked into chapter 2. So this is one of those sections of 2 Corinthians 1. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God. So God's established us. God has anointed this work in Christ with us. And then God who sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, that, that God has sealed us and marked us. God has given us a proven identity and a legal guarantee that we are His. We are heirs according to the promise, even though we are adopted sons and daughters, that, that we belong to God and God's family and God's kingdom. Our God is for us and with us. Right? That, that's what, who, who God is and what He does. And so when we come to Christ on the cross and we offer ourselves at his feet, there's this promise of the Holy Spirit to come, to fill this place and to fill our lives. Let me give you a couple of others. There's a couple other uh, passages on the Spirit that I love, and, and you saw these in the blog this morning. But let me give you, this is John 14. This is um, part of what I, I read to the, the children this morning. But the Helper. That is the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. It bring to remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. This is, this is a helper. This is the comforter to peace. You are not alone. And one more. This is Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness. When we are weak, the, the Spirit is there. And in, in this particular manner, for we do not know how to pray as we should. And when we don't know how to pray... The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit is in our midst. The Spirit is in our hearts as an aid and a guide for us. God has promised us this help. Now, what, what you hear behind 2 Corinthians 1 and 2, where we have been this week, is that Paul would not have made it alone. In fact, if you read all through the book of 2 Corinthians, it's clear that Paul could not have done this alone. In fact, the on-my-own strategy would never work. At the end of 2 Corinthians, we're reminded uh, of this exemplary servant of God 
and all that he had to go through on his journeys. He was beaten near death multiple times. He was jailed multiple times. He was left for dead after a stoning. He was chased out of nearly every city that he went into. He was shipwrecked and so on and so forth. And, and through all the human pain, Paul kept his joy and his song. In fact, through the worst of it, through the worst that this life threw at him, he was perseverant and worshipful. That that, that spirit of worship, that, that spirit of joy never left him, even in the most trying times of his life. And this lasting joy only happens in this life by the work of the Holy Spirit, which was promised to us long ago. And so we come. We come to Christ, and we are filled with that Holy Spirit. Now, there's real difficulty here for Paul, though, in this church at Corinth. There were some in the church that leveled harsh accusations against him. They were accusing him of being a liar. They said, we can't trust what he says. And in fact, if Paul is a liar, then can we even trust the gospel? Then maybe the gospel isn't true if we can't trust Paul. And even beyond that, they start saying, well, maybe Paul, maybe Paul is just in this for the money. Maybe he's asking us for more than we need to give him. That, that all of that was in there. But we need to understand practically what happened in our text for today was Paul said he was coming to this church again. He was going to come see them. He was going to visit them again. And instead of Paul coming to visit them, they received a painful letter. Um, you see this, uh, 2 Corinthians 1. This was a part of our text for this week too. In this confidence, I intended at first to come to you. I, this was Paul saying, I had planned to be there. That was, that was the plan all along. That's what my heart desired was to be with you. That's what I wanted to do too. And so that you might twice receive a blessing from me. Therefore, I was not uh, vacillating when I intended to do this, was I? I wasn't going back and forth when I, when I did this. Sometimes plans change. Sometimes the work that we think is the work is not the work we are to be about. Right? Sometimes we get it in our heads that the work that we are supposed to be doing this week is something other than what God has intended for us. In fact, God has a grand plan in store for us, for each one of us, not just for Paul in this scripture, but for each one of us sitting in this room today. God has a grand plan for us in saying, this is my intention for you. And sometimes that's not what we had planned at the beginning of the week. So the Holy Spirit was, was leading Paul here, just like he did in Acts 16. Acts 16, he led Paul in a different direction. And what you need to hear in this from this great servant of God is that Paul was leaving room for the work of the Holy Spirit in his travel plans. Paul was leaving room for the work of God in his schedule. He knew, and he knew he was not on his own. As we often want to run out on our own, Paul knew that wasn't the case. That's not who we are in Christ. In fact, we, we trust our God to give us help to show us where we need to go, even if that means a change of plans. Now, how often in our lives are we leaving room for the work of the Holy Spirit? How often in our lives are we leaving room for the Holy Spirit to change our plans, to change our morning, to change our days? Because this is, this is part of it. This is, this is part of our work. As we come together in the church and we come together in the power of the Holy Spirit, that is our work, to walk through this world at the nudgings of the Spirit of God. You see, this church that Paul was very close to and this church that Paul loved dearly, they did not get to define his work. They did not get to define his schedule that week. 
In fact, this church at Corinth uh, tried to spell out all Paul needed to do, and he stepped back because the Holy Spirit was at work. Right? The Holy Spirit is the helper and the guide, and there are going to be days, there are going to be times when you have to take a hard left turn because the Holy Spirit of God calls you to. And that's perfect. That's exactly where you need to be. Not on your own, not defining your own work, but in the power of the Spirit of God. See, some of us, we're we're overwhelmed like a loaded down pack mule. And that's not your work. That's not your work this week. God loves you too much for that to be the case. Trust the Holy Spirit's leadings. You see, every one of us in here, we carry a certain amount of weight on our shoulders. We all do. And that weight that we carry on our shoulders is going to be all wrong until you trust the Holy Spirit. In fact, whatever weight that you must carry on your shoulders is not going to fit right until you trust the Holy Spirit to come down and work in your heart and your life and be the guide and the strength that you need. Because you can't carry all that you need to carry in this life. In fact, you can't carry the weight of the gospel without the Spirit of God at work within you. It's going to be all wrong until you trust those Holy Spirit leadings. So when we finally realize that, when we finally realize that that this on-our-own strategy is not going to work, and, and we finally begin to trust our God in this life, all kinds of transformation begins to happen in our heart. Transformation begins to take place in our lives. Uh, In fact, Paul lives this out in in a couple of different ways in the letter. There's a a lot of ways this transformation of the Holy Spirit happens in our life. But let me give you a couple uh, that Paul Paul does here. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.4 with me. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have especially for you. Many tears. This, this love which I have um, especially for you. Paul is weeping over the pain that's in this church. And you know why? Do you, do you know why Paul is weeping over the pain that's in this church? It's, it's not because somebody was mean to him, because it's easy for us to make that connection. Somebody was mean to him, so he must be upset. That, that's not what's happening here at all. In fact, Paul, Paul is weeping tears, uh, uh, tears that are rolling down off his face onto the letter itself because he knows God cares deeply about his church. Right? It was the work of the Holy Spirit in Paul that, that he starts caring about this church as much as God cared about the church. God, God wanted unity and life in this church. God wanted repentance and forgiveness to happen in this church. And, and all of it was right on a razor's edge. And Paul, Paul knew that it was falling apart. And he hurt because God was hurting over this church. And if God cares deeply about it, then, then so was Paul going to care deeply about it. And, and this is our work. This, this is the real work of the church, that the, the Holy Spirit works in us to, to foster in us this deep care about the things that God cares about. God, God cares about this church, and our hearts should cherish the church and fight hard for the church. If God cares about it, then I care about it. God cares, too, about your repentance. We see it all through Scripture. Or maybe it might be easier for us to understand that, or hear that God, God hates sin. That the sin in our life is, is ugly and that it separates us from our God. And it, and it puts a distance. It, it puts um, a, a whole 
um, roof over our head that we can't pray through because it gets in the way of all that we want to say to our God. And, and, and God cares deeply. God's concern is for you to come to repentance and for all that to be wiped clear and wiped clean so that you can have this intimate relationship with your God. See, when are we finally going to care about coming to repentance like God cares about us coming to repentance? See, God is heartbroken over your sin. Why aren't we as heartbroken over our sin as God is? If God cares about it, then I'm going to care about it. And another, we can't miss, it's, this thread is all through Scripture. God cares deeply about the alien, the orphan, and the widow. And so too is our, our charge. We, we should weep over the struggle. See, reality seems different, though, doesn't it? We rarely, if ever, find ourselves weeping over the church or weeping over unrepentant sin or weeping over the struggle of a widow. But, th- but that's what Scripture calls. That's, that's the heart of our God. And, and let, me, let me help you here. If that's where you are, if that's where we are sitting in this place with a calloused heart, we call on our God this morning because nothing else in this world can help us other than our God. And so we call on our God to intervene, to, to beg for the Holy Spirit to, to come in and help our heart, to help our heart care about the things that God cares about. You see, when we're out working on our own, trying to do the work of two people at once, it usually reveals something. It real, reveals something uh, deep within our hearts usually reveals something about our pride when we're trying to do uh, the work of, of two people at once, about our pride or our stuff or our reputation or our peace of mind. But this morning, let, let God handle those things. Let, let that, those burdens that, that, are, that are on you this morning, let, let the Holy Spirit of God come in and relieve you of those things. In fact, may the Holy Spirit come into this place and shape our hearts and the holy iterations of God. Now, in this letter that Paul wrote, it seems as though the tears were a direct result of him being slandered and no one sticking up for him either. But as he's working down through this, the, the, through this, the real problem is, I mean, no one stuck up for him, but, but it didn't seem like no one stuck up for the gospel either, at least not initially. Nobody was standing up for the gospel and the truth that we hold. And so Paul had to send them a painful word, a tearful letter. And, and then, after that, they finally were able to do the work of the church. Finally, a majority of the church realized the pain of this whole situation, the pain of the division that was happening in the church. And so what ended up happening is they, they confronted this wayward man in the church. He repented, and they forgave him. Now, th- this is a miracle in and of itself, one, that the church had, had the courage and the, the power of the Spirit to, one, confront the sin. And then after they did that, have this heart of forgiveness, this moment of grace that they accepted this man in his repentance and offered him a grace that our God offers. They forgave him. See, this is the hard work of the church that we cannot do on our own. We're not capable of this kind of love and grace and forgiveness on our own. And so we trust that the Holy Spirit will come down and give us the power and the grace that we need so that we can repent 
and forgive in those same ways. And it's especially hard for us to, to heed the words like, like Jesus in, in Matthew 18. This is Jesus in Matthew 18. It's when Peter comes and said, Lord, how often uh, shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Um, up to seven times. And, and Peter thinks he's, he's really stepping out on a limb here. I'm, I'm going to be the, the bigger man. I'm going to take the high road and I'm going to forgive seven times. And Jesus says, you're not even close. In fact, as Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but up to 70 times seven. There's a lot more here than you understand or you know. In fact, there, there's, a, there's a grace and a forgiveness that's greater than you can even imagine that God has offered down out of heaven. And as you experience that grace and that forgiveness on your own, let that spill out into your lives. Let it spill out into the church and the Holy Spirit will be working. You see, th this is our work. In, in our text today, 2 Corinthians 2, as he, Paul gets to the end of our text, he says, I don't, I don't care what this man did to me. If you forgive him, I forgive him. That, that's fine. You know, he, he couldn't do that on his own. To, to deeply care and to forgive well, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Pa Paul couldn't have cared that deeply or forgiven that well without the Holy Spirit being at work. And, and, and that's our hope this morning because we're not capable of that on our own either. But we're not meant to. We're not meant to carry that on our own because God has promised the Holy Spirit. And God has said, I am with you and I can transform you and build you up into men and women. Build you up into a church who can forgive. To be a people of grace because you're about to experience it on your own from heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit. Like this is our work. See, many of us in this room still believe in our nine to five that our nine to five is what defines us. E even if it's just by default, that's what ends up defining who we are. We, we've bought into our weekday work as our reality. But let me tell you, there, there's so much more to reality than your weekday work wherever you find that. And whatever you're doing in your weekday work, there's this greater promise and there's this greater concern. There's this greater kingdom that's at work in all of us doing a mighty work that some of us can't yet see. Right, let's, let's move beyond that weekday work of our nine to five and see what God is doing in it. See, forgiveness is our work. Caring about holy ways is our work. Trusting the Holy Spirit, this is our work. See, wh whatever else you have to tend to this week, whatever your weekday work is, it's all microscopic in comparison to what God has in store for you. Don't, don't settle for less than what God has in store for you. Because God has something great in front of you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you can't yet see it, trust the Holy Spirit. Ask God to come and fill you up so that you can see what God has in store for you. Come and trust in those promises of God so that you never feel alone in this painful world again. And so that you never feel alone in this great work that we have to do together. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we thank you for this time. Give us power, give us strength, give us hope. Lord, help us to see clearly the mighty work of our Holy Spirit. Lord, come, break into our hearts, reveal something new. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.